Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. Hear these words. Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And the angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? She replied, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. And as soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing here, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, for I haven't gone to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them I'm going to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he had said to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in our sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The, the website Facebook came out right after I finished college, and I was getting ready to go to graduate school, and I got a new email I was excited about. I went to, to seminary at, um, in North Carolina at Duke, and I had a Duke EDU email, which meant I was able to apply early on to this website, which I thought was, look at this, this fun little cool website. You can share pictures. I was getting to know people that I, I was going to a new state to a new program. I'd never heard it before. It seemed a lot like the instant messenger I had used before in high school and college. And so I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's a little more organized. Um, and it kind of, kind of expanded from there. A little after that, it kind of expanded to more schools and more schools um, over and over again. It was a place where, you know, I thought at first, you know, I could put up nice quotes of, the, of books I read, try and be really obscure and really impress people. Um, I could get pictures that were fun. You would get the update right when it happened. I would post something. Someone would see it. They would post something. I would see it, and on and on. And then it, it kind of it grew and expanded. Eventually, they let um, anybody get one, get a Facebook page. Uh, but that really did, it didn't change much after that. That wasn't the big change. The big change was when they went from posting anything you did to what they called the news feed. Now, the news feed, instead of sharing what people post on the internet, it was this algorithm that kind of Used, used the inputs to kind of share, give you exactly what they thought you wanted to see. Algorithm is used a lot in, in the news and online. It's like, oh, they're using an algorithm for that, or they're using machine learning. It's a, it's a complicated word, but it, sometimes it seems like a black box when it isn't. Like, it's like, if I just put it into the algorithm, it'll give me the right answer. Um, algorithm comes from, it's a, it's a Latin translation of a Persian mathematician from the ninth, ninth century. Um, I think um, Azar is going to correct my pronunciation, but I think his name was Abdullah Muhammad bin Musa al-Khwarizmi, um, but the Latin, they would say algorithmi, and so that would, that's how it came to be. In, in modern parlance, it's a, an algorithm is a finite series of well-defined parameters used to solve a problem or a computation. And in Facebook and social media, this, this works with, they have a bunch of inputs about you. They have your name, if you sign up. You have, oftentimes, they can probably guess your age, your gender, who you're friends with, what you like, what you don't like, what you spend time on, and all these things go together to try and keep you engaged on the website. They're trying to keep you as engaged as well to try and 
give you purchased posts or, or ads so your eyes are always on that. Get that product placement in there. The Facebook algorithm changes pretty constantly. And usually at least once a month, sometimes more, and it's hyper-focused on people as individuals. You, you, know, you and, and your friend next door don't see the same thing. Oftentimes would never see the same thing, even if you have the exact same friend group. It's hyper-focused to you as an individual. And the point is not to give you things that are interesting or that improve the world. That's not the goal. <laughs> the goal is to keep you on the screen. Because as long as you're on the screen, then they are making money off of you. They're selling information about you. They're selling ads to you. And they can sell your, your demographic data, which is much more precise than anything else that, that goes, goes on in the world. They also track you outside of Facebook, which is why if you search for a new pizza oven, you'll suddenly get an ad for a pizza oven on Facebook. It's like, how, how did they figure that out? It's like, well, they, they figured that out. That's how they do. Um, Facebook is only one of many social media companies that try and grab your attention and try and keep your attention. And out of this mash, mesh of algorithms and ads is the way most people get their news today. News is a funny word in English. We often don't break it down to, to the root of new. What is new? Um, but that's, you know, news is often, you know, there's, we have a lot of different relationships with the news. We have news that we trust. We have news that we don't trust. What is news? What is worthy of news? The big churchy word gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion, which means good news. Good news. In this era of 24-7 news, of social media, and deep levels of societal mistrust, where does the good news of Jesus Christ fit? My brothers and sisters, we are finishing our series on songs of the Bible that have been looking back over this summer at, at the scriptures through the lens of music. There are many explicit songs in the Bible, but as well we can turn scripture into music because God's love for us is so great we cannot help but sing. Today is tell everyone that Jesus is alive. That was the first evangelist was Mary Magdalene right after Jesus' resurrection. She went and told people that Jesus was alive. She shared the good news. But where does the good news fit in today? Let's go back to Facebook in the early time of the news feed. And so they, they switch it all up. And so now instead of just sharing everything that happens in real time, they start this algorithm that shares what they think people want to see. Now, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, he... He was on his website and one day, and he found out, not from Facebook, but from somewhere else, that a friend of his had had a baby. And he got really annoyed, because he thought that's the kind of news that people want to see. They want to see when their friends are having kids, or, or there's celebrations and things like that. So he, that night, went into the source code of Facebook and changed it so that whenever someone puts on a post, congratulations, that post goes higher on the feed for people. Um, this, this process happens constantly, and so that, that doesn't work anymore. I used, to, I used to try it early on that I would like, do a random post about something that was silly and then just put congratulations in the comment, and people would see it more. And sometimes it, it still works, but, but those, those change a lot. It's called um, search engine optimization, or, or SEO. Now, I'm intimately familiar with SEO because after seminary, when I came back to Texas, I couldn't get a job anywhere. It was in 2009. And so the only job I found was with a plumbing company doing SEO for plumbing parts. I don't know anything about plumbing parts. They all look the same. I had a, I had a spreadsheet about 700 items. 
and I had to think of six to 10 adjectives to describe the different you know, pipes. And it was like, this is, it's a pipe. And then I was like, what's about, it's a small pipe. It is a round pipe. It, there's a hole, hole in the pipe. And no, that's not good. That's not a good SEO. Um, but with these codes, they try and put it into the website so that you get a better hit on, on search engines, on, on Facebook, on social media, and things like that. And this, this happens constantly. And so the, again, those updates are happening constantly. That's why every once in a while, there'll be an update with Google, and it'll be like, you, you Google something, and you don't get the websites you got a month ago. It changed. And so they changed all of the parameters of that algorithm. Now, what this happens, too, is that there's people whose job, their whole job, there's thousands of people who are trying to find the right word to get to you or find the right key phrase to get to you. They do all sorts of tests, they do all sorts of things to market what is the key phrase that is going to get your attention, to get your clicks, to keep you engaged. Another thing about Facebook is there's an old internet adage that if something is for free on the internet, it's because you are the product. <laughs> You are the product. We are the product. It's the product of Facebook and social media and Google is to create consumers of unsatiable appetites that always want more. They never, they're not, they're not going to sell you enough. Like that's never an adage because you can't, you can't sell it. You can't make money off of, you know, you have enough stuff. You have enough socks. That's never a good, that's not a good business plan. You always need more of something. And they're trying to, to give you more desire, always making desire more. Where does the good news fit in this world with this unquenchable market set desire? As well, the Christian faith has been distorted and, and abused over the years, my brothers and sisters. We must admit it that, that Jesus has been used to justify actions against Christ's love. There are so many different churches, so many different denominations and messages out there. It is hard to keep them straight. What's the difference between the Baptist and the Lutheran and the non-denominational and the Catholic and all of those things? It's like, you know, some people go to study that, but how am I supposed to keep that straight? How do we separate the noise from the good news? Tell everyone that Jesus is alive. Tell everyone that God loves them too. Tell everyone that Jesus is alive. Remember that God loves you. This is, this is the good news. This is how it started. This is the good news. Jesus is alive. God loves others. Go and tell that Jesus is alive. That's what his words to Mary Magdalene. God loves others, but you as well, God loves you too. You are not your mistakes. <laughs> You are not the bad things you have done. Those things that you don't like talking about, that you don't like to dwell on, that you like to move on from, God has seen that and still loves you and still forgives you. God loves you so much that God doesn't want to leave you on a road to self-destruction. That if there's a, God knows that dead-end road that you're heading to and says, stop. This is the good news of John the Baptist when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repentance is often this translation of this word metanoia, which just means turning around, of going in one direction in life and turning around. And that really is going in one direction down a dead end road with a cliff that falls off into the lake. And John is saying, stop, <laughs> turn around. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is near. It's about changing our lives and leading a life that builds up rather than a life that tears down. But sometimes telling us that we change, 
telling us that we need to change doesn't make us feel good, right? We don't like to be reminded of our mistakes. There are very few viral news stories about people admitting their mistakes and saying, I was wrong. That doesn't get a lot of clicks. We like the idea of heartwarming news stories. We always feel like, gosh, the news is so negative. I wish there was more heartwarming stuff. But people don't actually read those stories or follow those stories. The top 10 posts on Facebook are always, every week, without fail, it's always about those other people that are destroying the country. And it doesn't matter what like, political side it is. Like, those are the things that get the shares. It's like, those people are destroying the country. Those people are destroying the world. They are dangerous. This is the news that people share. This is the news that people stare at and the algorithms that are promoted over and over again. The good news of Jesus Christ can't compete with that. As well, for a lot of us today, the question may be, what is new about Jesus? It is a story that people have heard again and again and either accepted it or denied it or think that it is irrelevant for their life. I mean, when this country was founded in 1776, people were preaching about Jesus. When the, the Second Great Awakening happened and Methodist churches sprouted across the country, people were talking about Jesus. There is a church in almost every town and community in this country. There are over like 32,000 Methodist churches alone in the United States, most of them with membership of about 15 to 30 all over. There's churches all over, not to mention all the different denominations and the new denominations that keep on sprouting up. There's a saturation of Christianity in this country. And sometimes that makes us feel like there would be a saturation of Christians and Christian behavior. But again, when we look at the news, we see that that is not the case. Either the good news is wrong then, or we have misunderstood it and distorted it and abused it. And we've turned the good news of Jesus into bad news. The first door-to-door salesman in this country or anywhere took their cues from door-to-door evangelists. They saw evangelists walking around sharing the good news of Jesus, and they were like, those guys are awesome. They're getting a lot of sales. What if I start selling encyclopedias? That'll help people. Um, The sleazy used car salesmen learned how to be sleazy from sleazy preachers. There were sleazy preachers way before there were used cars in general. 500 years ago, Martin Luther started a reformation because of uh, Catholic priests selling indulgences. And now, 500 years later, he comes back in the form, indulgences come back in the form of the prosperity gospel that tell you, if you give me money, if you buy me a new F-150, then you're going to heaven. <laughs> this is, for some people, Jesus Christ is a sign of the harms that have been committed in his name. And this is a sad reality in this country. We have, people have distorted the name of Jesus, turned it into a weapon to control others or to win arguments or to make themselves feel better without having to listen to those words of John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Putting on, putting on the clothes of Christianity without having to change your heart at all. We must admit the harm that has been done by Christians. The good news is not found in the brand of Christianity. The good news is not found in the brand of the United Methodist Church or even of Bee Creek United Methodist Church. We're not, God doesn't say you must protect the brand at all costs. That's not the good news. The good news is that Jesus is the one point where God has come to meet us 
fully entered into our situation so that there can be no confusion and no excuses that God has revealed what he is really like. God has revealed what he is really like to the world. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us. The good news is not about social mores or who to vote for in the next election or what to post on Facebook, but that God is with us, that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth and the God who created everything did not want to be apart from us, but instead came down in the form of a human, of a child, of a, of a baby, of a needy baby, and decided to, to grow into a person, to love us, to teach us, to save us. God, the creator of everything, chooses to be with us and love us. And like Moses on the mountaintop, when Moses would go onto the mountaintop, he would come back and his face was glowing and the people couldn't stare to look at him, so he had to wear a mask over his face. Like Moses on the mountaintop, we cannot leave an encounter with God, a true encounter with God, unchanged. But the good news does not end there. Because God is with us, we can turn our lives around. Our lives, how we live, what we do day to day. Faith is not just a head thing, but a whole life thing. The Apostle James says that faith without works is dead because if you, if you believe in God, if you love God, and then go forth and act as if God doesn't exist, that's like looking in the mirror and then turning around and forgetting what you look like. And forgetting what you look like. Christianity from the beginning has been shared more with deeds than with words. It's been shared more by the fruit of the Spirit than the cleverness of the presentation. Paul talks about this explicitly when he says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't come preaching God's secrets like an expert in speech or wisdom. Instead, I came with you with nothing but Jesus and Christ crucified. I stood in front of you with weakness and fear and a lot of shaking. Imagine the Apostle Paul who had witnessed Jesus coming and preaching with fear and trembling. My message and my preaching weren't presented with convincing wise words, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power. I did this so that your faith may not depend on the wisdom of people, but on the power of God. All this summer, I've been sharing these songs with, with children that I've written over the years. I started about five years ago when I came to the first, uh, my first church that had a, a children's program where I had to do chapel. And I started that and I was kind of annoyed by the children's music I found. The Bible songs weren't really about the Bible. And so I started writing, writing my own ones, and it started out pretty well. Writing a, a kid's song about um, Noah's Ark is pretty easy. It's like, kids love animal noises, and you just put in a lot of animal noises, it fits out. Um, some topics are a little trickier, like the garden, um, the garden of Eden, and Adam and Eve, and the apple and the serpent. That's not as catchy a tune for the three-year-olds. Um, but it's, <laughs> but I, I got to this point of trying focusing more on sharing the stories of Scripture than of entertaining, of wanting to, to open the minds up of the child, but also connect in that way, not try and dumb down the story as if there's one faith for the adult and one faith for the child. The good news of Jesus Christ is for the two-year-old as well as the 102-year-old. And we share good news not just with words, but with singing and with dancing and service. We show it, and we share it because it's not about us at all, to begin with. It has never been about us. If it were all about us, if, if faith were about us and making us feel better, our job would be to game the algorithm and maximize exposure to protect the brand of Christianity, protect our position in society. 
Christians should be an army of online trolls pouncing on any bad words so we can feel better about ourselves by tearing others down. If Christianity is about us, and Jesus is just a, a brand or a figure who lived long ago and said important, laudable things, then let's focus on the brand and the next viral message. As Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It doesn't matter what we do. We can, we can feel good about ourselves with this faith thing and then still keep on doing the things we wanted to do anyway. But if Jesus is truly risen from the dead, then everything changes. Paul says, we are not peddlers of God's word, but people of sincerity. We don't need to sell God because God isn't a product. The claim of Christians is not that Jesus was a figure in the past who did some good things and taught some valuable lessons from which we can still learn today. The claim is that Jesus still lives. Indeed, is more truly alive than we are and continues to form new bonds of friendship with people, bonds of friendship in which we come to share in his life. The bond of friendship is the Holy Spirit whose effect on our life we call grace. Children understand friendship, often better than grown-ups. Children constantly seek friendship. Grown-ups feel like they have enough friends. Most grown-ups I've seen are like, I'm good. I have enough. I have, I have people I travel with. I have people I play cards with. I have people I watch games with. That's it. We're good. Kids are never like, oh no, that's one friend, too many. They see a new kid at the playground, you're my friend, you're my friend, let's play, let's go. When we sing songs for children or show children's time in worship, it's not just because children are cute, though they are, or because we wanna teach them life lessons, which we do. It is, it is because Jesus said, let the children come to me, for to them belong the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is found in the child. The kingdom of God is here with the child. Here, when we share stories, when we color, when we play on the playground, when we jump in the jumpy house, when we eat snow cones and play video games, the kingdom of God is there. The good news of Jesus Christ lets us be friends with God at two or 22 or 102. No friendship in this way is ever finished. And we show friendship not just by talking, but by doing, by playing, by serving, by singing, by dancing, by giving and receiving. And friendship never goes viral. Friendship is a concrete thing. Friendship takes time. The good news of Jesus Christ is that we don't have to sell anything. We don't have to be the best presenters in the world to tell good news. We don't have to make Jesus go viral or sell him. In fact, God tells us not to do that. We share good news by serving, by giving, by loving our neighbor, by praising our God, and saying that Jesus is alive with our words and our, free, and our fingers five. And our fingers five, how we serve people. This is the reason why the church exists. God calls us to be a church together so that we can show Jesus fully in our community and in our world. God gathers us together to, to love God together, to love each other together, to forgive each other together. Sometimes being the church, stuff comes up that we don't really like, that's uncomfortable, things we don't like to talk about. I mean, next week we're gonna start this new series where there's gonna be some questions that I might not be as comfortable with and wanting to do, but they need to be addressed, they need to be answered. That that's what happens when we live life together. The reality of this world, the brokenness of this world points itself out in different ways. 
And Christianity is not about pretending that there isn't bad stuff in this world, but realizing that God comes down to meet us precisely in those moments that the world wants to push aside. And that God is here for you. And not only for you, but for your neighbor, for the rest of the people in this world, so that we can live out God's kingdom here with the child, with each other, with people who are older and younger than us from different life backgrounds and experiences that we all have something to share in this place. Tell everyone that Jesus is alive. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.